Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host. I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week. Therefore, it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with singer-songwriter David Thomas and... It's a lovely chat, this one, and it come about in a really strange way. Um, we, we, we talk about this uh, during the, 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 the chat, um, that David's music was um, used on Afterlife, the, the Ricky Gervais uh, comedy drama. And, uh, and, and I, like I imagine, a hell of a lot of people was like, oh my God, this music's beautiful. Who is it? Uh, and then when I found it, uh, found out that uh, Home is in Nashville and, uh, and, and reached out. And in the duration of this podcast, it's ridiculous that this musician that I stumbled across that's based in the States, how close we've been to each other and how many rooms we've definitely been in, the, in at the same time. Uh, it's surreal, uh, you know, how someone so far away is actually, well, I'm not going to keep going on about it because I'm going to spoil the kind of, uh, the, the, the story of logistics of this podcast, but, uh, it's, it's amazing. And, and he's a, a super lovely guy and, uh, and you're in for a treat with this one. Uh, before we press play on that actual chat, just a few thank yous, uh, quick thanks to Scroobius Pip at the Distraction Pieces Network and, and all the, all the other podcasters over there, some great, uh, podcasts over there. Uh, go check that out. Films to be buried with. Say why to drugs. Mama, mama. Oh, there's loads. There's one called Hardcore Listing. I think that's average at best. That one, um, but it might be worth a listen. And obviously, the Podfather himself, Scroobius Pips podcast. Uh, the distraction, uh, distraction pieces. An absolute monster of a podcast. It's uh, it's it's glorious. Thank you to Seventy Six for producing this podcast. Thanks to you, lovely lot, for continuing to support this podcast and just be nice. Um, so yeah, let's get on with the, uh, the main thing there. Please enjoy off the beaten track podcast with David Thomas. Right. I've got to take a quick break in this podcast cause I've got some super exciting news off the beaten track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the cacao bar from hotel chocolat. That's right. The cacao bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out. 
www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon, and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we are recording. David, how are you doing today? I'm good. Um, yeah, it's a lovely day. Lovely day in Nashville today. Lovely. I mean, that doesn't sound like a Nashville accent to me, but I'm sure uh, I'm sure we'll get there in the end. That accent sounds <laughs> a little bit more closer to mine than Nashville. <clears throat> um, how you been anyway? Like, um, and when I say that, I mean let let let's talk the last two years. Like, how how was that for you, um, personally and creatively? Um, creatively and and sort of in terms of what it was like um, for me uh, in sort of comparative terms, I guess to other people that I know. It was totally fine. You know, it didn't affect my work. Um, and actually, um, the big afterlife sync thing happened right after the lockdown started. So in a way, that was sort of, there was something new happening, even though we sort of couldn't leave the house and all that. Um, so that was, um, it was, it was, you know, as, as, as good as it could have gone, that's how, that's how it went for me. You know, we didn't get it. We did, you know, I, I work from home anyway, so it was kind of, um, it, it left me pretty unaffected in that way. I, I, it did hit me mentally pretty hard. Um, just the, the beginning of it in, in particular, I'm sort of, I'm quite a hypochondriac. And so it, I, at, at the very beginning there, it was like, there was the definite panic that the society was going to break down and um, we were all going to die. So, right. so you know, N- nothing too scary. Nothing too scary. But, but, <laughs> and like thinking back to it, it sort of it sort of has diluted, obviously, um, now into just uh, into what it is. But yeah, that's the, I, the the first couple of weeks, my mind just ran away with me, and I was really, you know, I got in a pretty. Um, anxious space you know which which i think is starting to um i'm starting to be at the end of but it was interesting you know even as recently as sort of like three months ago or something i'd just be sitting there and all of a sudden it would just my body would just be kind of like in that space and and sort of like releasing it and letting it out so um yeah um as much as it didn't actually really affect my life it, it affected me mentally, I think, quite a lot. Yeah. I think we're seeing people, you know, now, you know, a lot of people, myself including, like, realising the effects that the last two years have had on them, like, maybe sort of as we're, we're coming out the other end of it, sort of realising, oh, wow, like, I've I've only, I, you know, I don't, I wasn't designed to work from home. And this, this little studio type, this was just a a little sociable bar at the end of my garden that I've now turned into my office and studio. And 
I had no plans to spend my days working on the sofa and then disappearing to the end of the garden to record a podcast back to the sofa to work for the rest of the day. And, and it was lovely at first, it, you know, and, and it was like, oh, I can have a beer at lunchtime if I want now. When I can't go out for lockdown, and that's only going to last two weeks, obviously, because the world will write itself. <laughs> and then I think holiday mode wore thin uh, with the beer drinking and stuff. After about three or four weeks, I was like, yeah, this doesn't appear to be going anywhere at the moment, so perhaps I shouldn't be... Uh, having a glass of wine every night it was it was it was starting to yeah just and i think that was when the uncertainty kicked in a little bit of of like right there doesn't appear to be an end to this at the moment and it doesn't right. look like that's going to come quickly I, I, I and i run a i run a nightclub um and so it, it took a big part of my income away from me and it was like okay well when all this stuff does start to ease it's not going to ease for nightclubs for a long, long time yet. Right, so, yeah, you know, yeah, we yeah. was obviously the first to shut and the last to reopen. So, yeah, and I think now it is just that thing where I, I think a lot of people have realised just how lockdown has affected them now. Like, just as that in that kind of sort of weird part between, like, complete, you know, it's certainly in the UK now, like, everything's pretty much back to normal, you know. Um right. Uh, only in the last week or so that the, the, the passport the covid passports are no longer needed to get into clubs and things like that it's it's uh it's strange i was in london yesterday and, and the masks are still in effect you know everybody's you know you don't have to but people are still wearing masks and i think that you know that's that that's a bad thing if people choose to you know want to be extra cautious then go for it like but yeah for, for me it's personally i, I you know I, I i didn't get my anxiety till probably the last sort of few weeks it started to kind of make me realize how much was taken away in right right but huh. yeah yeah weird weird times man anyway let's talk about some some really positive things uh and their records and so i'm gonna and what i love as well that you sent me a list over with your honorable mentions as well which uh which is always good so we can discuss some of them as well because there's some great records you've sent over mate track one I want you to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. Okay, the one that I went with in the end um, is Careless Whisper by George Michael. Okay. Um, it's just, you're just in. It's yeah. just like, it, you know, in terms of, because there's all different, you know, different ways that intros can be uh, their thing. And with that song, it's just, there's, you're not you're not switching it off, and you know exactly when you're on the rails. You're on the careless whisper rails, and it's happening. Yeah, and 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 I mean, and it's an amazing tune, and and um, yeah, and Jules Michael just it, and and it's not like anything else. You know, it's sort of it. It's pretty unmistakable um, as a song. I sort of don't even know what what genre careless whisper is it's just sort of it's careless whisper isn't it but what john was george michael right exactly yeah like where where would you put him because it, it I, doesn't sit in any specific genre, he's got his think. thing yeah no absolutely not um yeah he's just he he's he's one of those is the way that he hears music the way that he heard music is sort of just obviously just different or something or the way that the way that it comes out is just through this lens which you sort of can't imitate yeah because it's it, it just is what it is it's like it's 
it's got some it's got some like soul but it's basically i mean it's just pop isn't it it's yeah. pure pop music in in the way that it just borrows from everywhere um but yeah um but then if, you, if if you look at something like you know praying for time like you know it, it, i don't know is that a pop record is that a i don't know what you'd call that you know it's a it's a fucking incredible record. I know that. And, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think, and also, Kenneth Whisper come at a time when this was at, like, peak wham. You know, this was absolute poster right. boy <laughs> pop star. And, and he threw this curveball in. And, and I think if I was Andrew Ridgely at this point, I'd be thinking, oh, shit, the writing, the writing must be on the wall here. <laughs> Uh, uh, yes, had to come at some point. And obviously, obviously. Um, what were your honourable mentions, mate? Um, I, I had "Taxman" by the Beatles. I think that as an intro. There's something about the the two counts that happen, mm. which are just they they really sum up a turning point that I I think that they they were at all sort of technologically and creatively, which is that thing of the overdubbing coming in and, and turning from a band that were just recording just these, this really well-rehearsed band recording these songs to starting to really play around. And the, and the two of those things um, together, like John's choir overdubbed weird count, and then you hear Paul in the background counting the, counting the band, and it's like that, that intersection is just, it really sums up a, a thing from a, yeah. a, a sort of, yeah, like a distills something which I think was going on. Yeah, glorious. For them at the time. Glorious. Have you watched the, the recent documentary? I still haven't. I still haven't seen it. Um, um, I, yeah, I plan to, uh, when I get the time to do that, I'm going to sit down and, and really soak it in. It's a glorious watch. It, it, it really is. And, and, you know, if you've ever been in, you know, a, a musician or been in bands, it resonates even harder. And you just think, oh, so that band, the biggest band, the best band that ever walked the earth, they're just the same as all of us. They're just four right. blokes sitting in a room going, what do you reckon on this? Yeah, try that. Like, yeah, you just yeah, think, yeah. but you're actually like, it freaks you out that you're just thinking, oh that's them writing don't let me down like, <laughs> oh my god it's like it's it's a wonderful watch mate it, it, really, it really really is right i'm going to take you back for track two and ask you please to tell me the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you please uh this one is i don't want to talk about it by rod stewart um i was sitting i think i was sitting in a um, I'd gone to work with my dad and we, and he used to work in uh, Tilbury at the docks. That's where I was born. That's where my dad oh, yeah? worked. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I was sitting in Tilbury. It's a sort of vague memory. And, and we were in a car, which wasn't our car. It was like we'd borrowed someone's car to drive down to do this thing or whatever. You know, we'd gone down to do this meeting at the, or something or go and pick something up. And um, I don't want to talk about it was, I think it was a cassette tape um, was playing. And it was, there was something about being in that sort of weird surrounding. Like it was, I was out of my, we were just in a weird place and the sun was coming in through the, through this gun. I was sitting in a car, which wasn't my car. And I think my dad had got out and he was off, you know, talking to some bloke at the docks and I was just sitting there listening to it. And I was really just sort of struck by 
sort of, there was something about the enormity of life which just sort of came to me in that moment. I was like, hang on a minute, like, yeah, like Rod Stewart's really hurting and he's like, and he doesn't want to talk about it and I don't know what it is that he doesn't want to talk about. And um, that first line, um, you've probably been crying for hours and it's like, there's, it, I just sort of understood this like depth of of pain that can happen. And I was like, hang on a minute, like something's going on. Like the, the world is big. The world is huge. And this is not my car and I don't get it. And, it, and, and um, yeah, I sort of, uh, yeah, I, uh, it was sort of, yeah, a real turning point to just realising something about the world. I'm not sure exactly what it was. Yeah. What would the emotion have been if you had to pinpoint it? Um, there was, uh, it wasn't sadness, but it, it was it was sort of the realization of the possibility of sadness. I suppose yeah. it was just like because obviously, you know, I, I hadn't had whatever had happened to the song right sure. to happen to me because I was like three or four or something. But I, it was just sort of, yeah, it was like it was the recognition of yeah. of that. Um, yeah, and it was quite, um, I, in a way, that's quite, in a funny way, that's quite pleasurable, isn't it? Yeah. You know, just knowing that there is that sort of bigness yeah. possible. It's a- if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's a beautiful record. It, it really is a, a, a lovely record. Where, 
Where was home? Where was growing up? Wickford. Wickford. Okay. Yeah. Was it Down a musical? You, right? I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm kind of. Uh, I'm up in Farrock, um, but I, I run a nightclub in Rayleigh, which is just round the corner. Like, yeah, it's the pink toothbrush, right? Oh wow! So, at, when did you? When have you moved overseas? We'll get to this, I'm sure. But like, um, I tell you, I um, I think it was the first gig that I did with my band was at the pink toothbrush. Right. Okay. It so, was definitely first or second. I we supported Supergrass at the pink toothbrush. Uh, well, Supergrass that was a double headliner. Blue tones. Blue tones as well. What was your yeah. band called? Well, it was it was actually it was actually a triple headliner. Because we were there as well. <laughs> Tribe 23 were in the house. You was in Tribe 23? I was, yeah. Um, yeah, that was, my, that was my school band. That's how, I, that's how I got started, I think, I guess. Who knows what would have happened. We must have met. Do you reckon? 100%. Right. Like, were, you, were you there then? I've worked at the Pink Toothbrush for 30 years. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, I mean... And I was in the touring band at that point as well, like playing all of the probably the same uh, right. toilet circuit as you. <laughs> 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 oh, wow, he's a... He's a I, I, I didn't know that he was from Essex, but yeah, that's, that's quite surreal that, uh, that, yeah, our paths would definitely have crossed. Um, so, Home in Wickford, was it a... Was it a musical household? Um, yeah, it what um, nobody um, plays, but um, and actually, it was the, uh, the 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 first song when I started looking it up. The first song that I remember hearing, I realised how much there was music in the house because I was looking at. Um, I ended up looking, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole and I ended up looking at the Wikipedia uh, of number ones, UK number ones. And it, I, I remember, I'm sure I rem- remember way earlier than I would have thought that I remember. I was looking at songs and, and, I, and I remember them being, I guess because it's like Top of the Pops and, and the TV. It was real, like the number one on a Sunday night was really everybody yeah, knew, absolutely. you know. It was, a, it was a real thing. And, and, and everybody knew, including sort of three-year-olds, as it turns out. It was really strange to sort of realise that the songs that I had thought that had happened when I was sort of six or seven had actually happened when I was like three and four. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely, and there's loads of Beatles. There's definitely a love for music and it was definitely like very much part of my you know yeah definitely very much part of the household was the appreciation of music for track three i'm gonna ask you to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school please um it is black hole sun by Soundgarden. i used to listen to um super unknown before i went to school Every every day, I, I wonder how long I did it for because it's like it is ingrained as a memory. Like there, this one was like there was no thinking about it. It's just like that. That was that was the one. Um, yeah, um, and it's an amazing album. It, yeah, it's. I mean, let, let, let's let's talk about. Uh, I mean, being at school and and, and I take it. By the time you was at this is secondary school, I'm imagining. And yeah. I presume you'd almost had you sort of found your tribe at this point because I, I guess at that point 
when 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 that album was at like how old are you david try me asking no you don't I, I, i'm 42 years old okay so oh okay so that album had been out a while when you was at uh at senior school um, I imagine i uh when did it come out Oh, maybe it was. Uh, maybe it was. Yeah, I, I presume it just come out in '92, but maybe it did come out a little after that. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Rusty Cage and stuff was probably '92. Yeah, yeah, it probably was '94. Yeah. So, oh, in which case, then no, that, that would have been prime time for. for I think it was happening. Yeah. Yeah. So, did you kind of did you gravitate towards the kind of guitar stuff and and, and what was going on in let, let's call it the grunge scene? I did. Um, up at, like my formative, my dad's favourite band was Dire Straits. So I, I'm, I'm very well informed on Dire Straits. I've heard that um, to death, and um, and uh, so 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 it was definitely coming from guitars in the first place, anyway. And then um, I was sort of recruited into that band, and they were playing very heavy stuff when I started like you know like Pantera and several like real heavy um stuff so I got pulled right in that direction um and um I think um Radiohead Smashing Pumpkins and and Soundgarden but specifically that album um were the ones that I felt that they were my ones you know um so it's kind of which and, and Radiohead at the time they were you know it, you think of them now and, it, and we know what's happened to them since but at the time they were just another guitar band you yeah. know um yeah. so yeah that's that's where I sat was like right um, I think I'm most identified with Smashing Pumpkins at the time like really like sort of heavy but very melodic is that Siamese Dream yeah yeah what a record that is yeah so was score something you enjoyed it was yeah it was i think my school journey i i i was very i was a really good i followed all the rules and i and i and i think i sort of still do now you know i i i um i was um yeah i was a very good student um, right up until probably around about 15 or 16. And then going into my A-levels, really, the wheels just sort of came off and I was like, this is actually really hard now. And, <laughs> yeah. I, and, I, and I just can't be asked to do things that are difficult. So, um, so yeah. Um, and also music was at that point, it was enough of, I could, I I feel like looking back, I could sense that it was going to be enough of a thing that like, that's what I wanted to do. And anything, anything other than that was not going to, was not going to do it. So, so everything sort of, I guess, you know, doing A-level chemistry seemed a little bit pointless because I knew that I was never going to do that. Yeah. And if I found myself do it, you know, Did it, it, it was music. I mean, coming from, you know where you come from, which you know is very similar to, to, to obviously to where to where I'm from. Did it feel? Did it feel like music was a possibility that you could make a career out of music at, at that point? Coming from um, where you come from, I'd I I don't think I ever gave it any thought. I don't think I I I, I don't think I ever weighed it 
up and considered that. I think it was just sort of like something that I was going to have to do um, because now you're asking that question now and now I think about it, it I don't there wasn't anything else there wasn't there wasn't anything to point to and be like oh no yeah I'll go and do I'll go and be yeah. like that person because there wasn't anyone um so yeah I guess it 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 just was never a consideration it was yeah. just always just like that's what I was gonna one way or another that's what I was gonna do okay first song you remember buying from a record shop um, this was um, I Should Be So Lucky by Kylie Minogue. Solid, solid tune. You know, what are you going to do? Perfect pop, it's mate. Kylie Minogue. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And what's weird, do you know what I'd, I'd, I'd really like to hear um, is uh, a little while ago when you had bands like Duffy and, and I guess on, on the back of Wineass, that kind of, you know, when Ronson was doing that very 60s kind of sand, I'd like to hear somebody take all of them Stock Aiken and Mortman records and turn them into Northern Soul records. Right. Put that yeah. production in. Because when you listen to them, I, I think that era of music got so, like, the, the, the Stock Aiken and Mortman, you know, the, the hit factory or whatever, got yeah. laughed at for just being, you know, throwaway, you know, pop, whatever you wanted to call it, right. at the time. You know, getting the latest person off of Neighbours and making them a pop star. Right, and, right, right. And all of that. But I think in hindsight, when you go back and listen to the records, taking whoever it is that's singing them out of the equation, should it have been a, a soap star or whatever, like, they're brilliant pop records. Yeah. Like, really solid, like, hook-ridden, like, yeah, perfect yeah, little yeah. pop songs and I'd, I'd love to hear yeah, them sort and like, of and quite complex as well you know mm. there's a lot of like key changing to the chorus stuff going on as well which is kind of you know like really the opposite of throwaway you know like yeah. sort of like pretty complicated musical stuff which wasn't being drawn from anywhere else it yeah. was just like that's what they were doing you know they weren't aping anything else it's just like yeah, some of the sort of pretty complex um, stuff, but then the production is maybe... Well, it's dated, hasn't it? Because I think yeah. where it was so electronic, obviously electronic music and well, some, a, a majority of electronic music will always be, to a degree, date-sensitive because production and technology moves and 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 so it evolves and and i think that the drum sounds and lots of the production used on on them records sounds very 1988 right uh, right and and i think i just like we've just worked out how to do that thing you're gonna just do it <laughs> yeah with every single whistle and bell put on it yeah um but uh yeah and i just think i i heard uh i, I mean you're, you're a lot younger than me but there's a, there's a record by a brother beyond called the harder i try and uh, and they were just like uh, you know pretty boys that that were just perfect boy band material right and Stockhead and Morton wrote this song from and I listened to it and I just thought this is a, a stone cold Northern Soul classic it's just hmm. a perfect like you know Motown track whatever you want to call it it was I mean I mean you think but it sounds so of its time it it, it it's hard to sort of I can't take it away from all my memories of like that just being one of 30 songs that come out right. that year by Stock Aiken and Mormon is a bit of a joke, but they're not. Right. They're like, you know, to, to write a perfect pop record, 
That ain't easy, right? Yeah, right. Uh, um, so and they did it. Yeah, in abundance. Right, right, yeah. Many, 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 over and over again, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned at the beginning uh, Afterlife. So, f- for listeners that aren't aware of, of the connection to you and, and, and Afterlife, like, what, what, what was the kind of the story behind that, David? Um, uh, the, the end of the story is that I got um, uh, two very big sync placements in uh, season two of Afterlife, um, including the finale to the the whole the whole thing um uh which was amazing and the and the beginning of the story is um Ricky Gervais followed me on Twitter one day and I don't really tweet I sort of I I, I basically just every, when I every now and again when I remember to and I've got a song coming out I'll say I've got a song coming out on Twitter so so it was very strange that he'd followed me um and then nothing else happened so i sort of assumed that it was some sort of error or or something and then um and then i got a request for it to be in and i said yes please yes let's definitely do that and then um and then just hoped and prayed that it would stay in because sometimes when you know you can get a request and it doesn't um end up happening on the actual show and quite often no one will tell you because no one, no one wants to be the person that phones you up and goes so i've got some news that yeah. thing that you thought was happening no longer happening so, <laughs> yeah. so um so i had to sort of wait um for it to to come out and i and i also didn't know i had no idea how much of a you know big placement it was going to be as well i thought maybe you know you never sort of really know exactly how it's going to fit into things um so yeah, I was sort of blown away when when it was just because he turns them up nice and loud and he yeah. plays them and so uh, so yeah, that was uh, that was really cool. That was re- really exceptionally cool. So the fallout of this, like, I'd be lying if I said I didn't shazam it and go, "Wow, what is this?" and then go and explore your music. Had I known that, you know, you'd probably played my venue several times. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> But um, and, and and I just heard it and, and thought it was beautiful, and then went and and you know rinsed your back catalogue. Um, what has been the kind of the, the you know the fallout of, of of being? I mean, I don't know how big the show is where you are, but in the UK, it's phenomenally huge, and it's you know it's 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 breaking people's hearts that show, and to have your music chosen to be played in such poignant scenes is. It's incredible. And I just wonder like what the, the kind of aftermath of it's been for you. Yeah, it's been it's been really great. Um uh yeah, it's not as big here. I do, you know, it is it, it it does its thing, but you know, in the UK, Ricky's Vase is 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 it's a different story, you know. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows and everybody is is sort of part of it, whereas here it's a little bit more um you know, um, disparate in the, in, in terms of that. But so I, it's sort of like, I feel like if, cause I couldn't, if, if I could have at the time, I would have come over when it was on and just sort of like gone down the pub and just sort of stood at the bar <laughs> and go, oh, me say, what, what do I do? I'll, I'll just do music, just do music, just do music. Oh, anything, anything you would have heard? Yes, actually, yes. <laughs> And I would have basked in it a little bit, but um, 
alas, that was not to be. Um, uh, so yeah, it's but it's been um, it's been really good. Um, again, mostly sort of in. It's just really it, it's really nice and it's really legitimizing to have been chosen by someone that I really respect, who was just. I've you know I've I've heard Ricky Gervais talking in interviews about how he's just these days trying to make the best thing that he can. And as part of that, you know, he wasn't thinking about anything else. He wasn't thinking about other creative considerations. He's just thinking, what, how can I make this thing the best that I can make it? And in that thought, he chose a piece of my music and it's just like, all right, all right, cool, cool. Just like maybe, maybe I, maybe then, I can do this, you know, that's, that's been the main thing is kind of, yeah, personally just being included in that catalogue of songs. And um, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, he did a, a radio two uh, show. He did a mixtape show and he played little piece of nothing. And then the next song he played was let down by Radiohead. And it's just like, all right, cool. Yeah. We can mix, we can mix in those circles. Yeah. If you insist. <laughs> So wonderful. yeah, that's that, that's been yeah, that's been really, really something. Wonderful. Our, our lives have got very strange little parallels because at the time you was in Tribe Twenty Three, Ricky was managing my band. Oh yeah, <laughs> so that's quite bizarre. He was managing us and Sway, and uh, yeah, so we was kind of still playing that circuit, but yeah, managed by this bloke that wasn't famous at all. Nobody knew him. He was just right. the uh, the Ents manager at the Yulu. And uh, right, right. and then yeah, by the time our band had split up, he then went on to become one of the most famous people on the planet. Cheers, Rick. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, okay, right. So I mean, record shops growing up, like where were they for you? I mean, I presume we're talking Adrian's in Wickford, right? Adrian's, yeah, it was all about Adrian's. Yeah, the 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 empire that was Adrian's. Yeah, yeah. He had like four different stores. Mm. Um, yeah, and actually, um, Siamese Dream was the first album that I bought, and I bought it from Adrian's. I went down to Adrian's, and they didn't have it, so they have to do that thing where they ordered it in. So then I had to wait. So I went down at the weekend, and I remember I, I ended up getting it on the Wednesday. I don't know why, but I always remember that it was the Wednesday. And so then they phone you up, and they've got it, and then you go down, and you get it, and thinking about that, now when it's like anything that you can think of like the uh, the line you know i went looking for um the first gig that i went to which was uh, or one of the first gigs that i went to i went to see manic street preachers at the astoria and i found it on youtube i found I, th- I think like if not that night then you know one of the two or three nights that they yeah. played like and you can just any any single time that you can think of a piece of music so the idea that I wanted to hear Siamese Dream and I had to wait four days and then get it in my hands and then still have to wait till I got home to put it in the thing to actually listen to it. Um, funny, old, funny old game. No, but I, 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 th- this kind of thing does come up quite regular on, on this podcast and I like that. I like the fact that you've literally broke down a journey to hear something you know, the attachment to that journey has never right. gone, you know. Right, that, right, right. And 
And I think that is, you know, without moving into old man territory of like, you know, <laughs> weren't like in the good old days. But there is something that is lost in that that journey to get something, you know, looking at it in the, you know, on the bus on the way home and then putting it on and then just looking, reading every single sleeve note because right. you're not going to be able to afford another one for another couple of weeks. So, you, you <laughs> right. know, whereas now it's everything instantly. And I think there's a certain value attached to that journey that I think is a really beautiful thing, you know, of, of having to wait for it or having to go to the record shop to buy it and, you know, what else was going on that day or, or like you say, you know, pre-ordering it and then getting a phone call and then going to get you, The fact you remember it's on a Wednesday that I, you're never going to remember the first day that you listen to whatever on Spotify. Uh, I think right. there's, there's something really lovely about that. And I think that's something that hopefully with the resurgence of vinyl and things like that, maybe, you know, the next generations will get to experience that in some way, shape, or form. I don't know. But do you know what I'm yeah, saying? I do. I know. I know. I'm very torn um, because I find Spotify and you know, and even YouTube and stuff like that. Um, I Ricky Gervais said that he heard "Little Piece of Nothing" on YouTube, and I don't know how that happened, but it's hard for me not to be really grateful for that as well because you know if 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 i was if i was making music in a world where it was virgin records or bust then I, it wouldn't be it, it's wouldn't be the same for me so the, the the that aspect of discovery um yeah while there's something lost in um that like the scarcity and the and the, and 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 the fact that that makes music seem so much more um, important, I think that there's. I really, I, I'm very grateful to to what the internet has done. Um, it, it, as a listener as well, there's, you know, I'm listening to. I think I'm listening to more stuff now and a more broad range of stuff than. Well, I know I am. I'm, you know, I'm listening to more stuff now than I ever was before because. Yeah. Um, because you can, you know, like you can just go anywhere. You can ping all over the place. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky one. It is a tricky one because it's not all, it's not all good news. But, yeah. but I do, I, you know, I've, I've got, I've got a great love for, a love hate for YouTube and yeah. and what it's done. Absolutely, absolutely. The song that soundtrack your years clubbing, please. Um, so yeah, this 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 speaks to because uh, my years clubbing now the closest that I could think of to what a club night is is that these days on Friday nights because here um, the time difference makes listening to Radio One pretty great. I've started in the last sort of year eighteen months we've been listening to a lot of um, of Radio One and because of the six hour time difference at you know five o'clock when we're starting to make dinner you're at 11 o'clock so it's a lot sort of cooler you'd have to stay up pretty late you you're getting into sort of um a bit more for freedom um that from from radio one so we listen to um pete tong on friday nights when we're getting the dinner ready and um i've had a sort of a greater education in dance music through that than i'd ever had before because um and I, I don't know how much this speaks to your experience, but dance music for me in Essex, it was ve- that, that tribal thing was very much 
there and to listen to dance music was something that I well, I did not do you know and 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 it was um yeah there was a very big divide between guitars and dance music um at the time which I don't know whether that is still a thing but obviously it's 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 um I it's think, not of a not a thing in my own kitchen, so I can I can uh, listen to Pete Tom. <laughs> I can listen to Pete Tom now and just and real and realize that I just missed out. You know, I just I I I had a story in my head about whatever, and I was just sort of like, no, I'm not going to do that thing. And now being exposed to it, it's amazing. Is that I don't know? You know, it's just amazing. Um, oh, so sorry. The, the song is Beyond Beliefs by um, Ben, and I don't know how you say it, Ben Bomber or Ben. Bamer, someone said it might be. I think it's Bamer, yeah. Bamer. Um and yeah, I mean what what an amazing yeah. track that is. So yeah, that's it's my it's my clubbing years, which is now listening to Pete Tong in the kitchen. I think um I think the lines are blurred more now. I, I, I think there was a lot more sort of tribalism in the, the early 90s, definitely. You know, you was a grunger, you was a raver, or you was in the garage. or And, it, and it, it did feel more sort of tribal, I think. And and I think as you move through the 90s, I think, you know, it was bands like Prodigy, Chemical Brothers, Underworld, that would blur the lines, you know. All of a sudden, there's bands like Orbital headlining Glastonbury and the right. Prodigy playing download and and i think seeing them kind of crossovers you know bringing the the kind of you know the dance to the you know the 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 rock festivals and the indie festivals i think kind of sort of blurred it a little bit and i think like now it's really weird just because working at the, the the toothbrush which is fundamentally an indie alternative rock club right you know i've, I've watched these kind of little sort of um youth cultures whether it be grunge brit pop whatever like you know work right and, and come through the doors of the club and and seen and, and i and i think like i think oasis have a lot to answer for i i, I think when it got to like 95 up until then i think most most people wouldn't go to an alternative venue unless you know they were into it and i think all of a sudden Oasis made these really good indie alternative records, but right, right. they they just looked like lads you'd see down the pub, and they were talking about football and girls and and you know getting smashed. And all of a sudden, I think it then put that music because there were such strong pop songs as well. That band, I think it maybe sort of put it into like the the football terraces, and and all of a sudden, I was seeing lads come into an alternative venue and then going after a while of listening to Oasis and probably Blur, then the aforementioned, you know, God, got any supergrass? And it's like, what? Like, <laughs> and, and I think, no, no, said like, I, he remembers walking on stage at Nebworth and thinking, well, I've killed the indie scene. Um, <laughs> and, and I, and I think all of that kind of started to just change everything. And I, and I think now nah, it's really weird because you, you can't look at, and I'm I'm probably getting this wrong because I'm 48 and I've got no place to know this, but I'm basing this on what I do from a job. But right. when you look at young people now, you don't really see, aside from metalers, metalers still look <laughs> like metalers and we'll always look like metalers. But apart from that, everybody kind of just got a bit of a look. And it's not like, 
is an indie kid. Oh, he's into garage. Oh, he's into hip hop. Like he's a raver. He's that doesn't seem to be that that divisional now. It seems to be more blurred. Like, do, do you get what I'm saying? Oh yeah, yeah, big time. Um, it definitely feels like, and I want, you know, I wonder whether that's the the availability of it and the sort of 100%. in a way, yeah, it's like sort of, um, yeah, the fact that you can just bop around to different things. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I sort of, I, I wish it weren't the case for me a little bit. I must admit, I was, I was like, I was basically smashing pumpkins or bust for, yeah. for, for, for a long time. And this is like, what are you doing? It's got to be the it's name the of your next world, album, mate. That's got to be the name of your next album. Smashing pumpkins or bust. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> the folly of you. <laughs> All right, well, let's take you home. Before we take you home, tell me how you ended up um, in the States. How did that come about? Um, I was... uh, It was... I was working on a band um, that... It was around about the time of the Killers, and um, they were sort of very Killers-sounding, and we started getting a lot of interest out of New York um, for don't really know why but it was sort of going around um you was in the band um i was producing the band i was sort of um um and like playing some of the instruments and stuff like that um you know we we were um yeah work like working very closely with the band and and um and yeah from that it was just one day i was i was working um uh, with another guy and one day we sort of looked at each other and we were like hang on a minute we can go so like let's go so so we went um over to um, new york city and i uh, met my wife there my now wife so um uh that's why i'm still over here that's why i'm still in in america because i think it would have just been go over for sort of six months or whatever but um that that wasn't really an option because I wanted I definitely wanted to stick around. Yeah. Um so yeah. Um and now I'm in Nashville. Beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's really great. It's amazing. It's really it's it's everything that you would it's it's music city. Like yeah. every literally my neighbour does strings and my neighbour over there is a singer songwriter. Literally everyone does music around yeah. here. It's it's mental. Bit, it's really, bit like Wickford, really yeah. Yeah, same sort of thing. <laughs> same sort of vibe. All right, well, let's take you back to Essex. Um, and for track six, a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Uh, Breathe by The Prodigy. Or This Is A Low by Blur with the two with the two Essexes. They're both perfect, man. Yeah. Breathe um, is... I, and actually, Breathe is sort of going back to the Sock Aiken and Waterman thing, it's sort of the MIDI thing done right. You know, like it's after after 10, 15 years of everyone else figuring it out. It's like, it's um, someone that I know who's very, very into live and sort of everything after 1974 is bad and everything's got to be, everything's got to be recorded live by, by a real band. Um, said to me once that MIDI is like trying to paint a wall with a toothbrush because it's like, you know, that fiddly thing. And 
breathe for me is like yeah but if you got really really good with that toothbrush then you would be able to make this thing that was incredibly detailed and not a foot wrong like this it's just it's so tight it is just amazing it's just amazing yeah what a dude liam hallett man he's a very very special man in that studio um did you was you at the uh, the iconic homecoming at V98, was it? Where they, they come back and headline V on the strength of Fat of the Land. I was not, because I was, I was um, living in Brixton by then. Um, I saw the, the Prodigy at Tea in the Park, actually, in Glasgow, in probably 2009 or something. And it's definitely one of the best shows that I've ever seen. Even, even in... Even in a field, because I'm not, I'm not that much of a big, especially when they start to get big like that. Sure. I'm not, I, I, I get pretty disconnected from it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's sort of you, like you're looking at it on a screen. I sort of, I, I find it a little bit weird. But even at a big festival like that, it was, it was happening right there, and yeah. it was like, wow, this is amazing. This is amazing. Um, yeah, that was pretty amazing. Still, still the the that that V Homecoming still the greatest show I've ever seen, and right. and Poison being played there in that field, and and them just saying this is our backyard. People lose it. It was <laughs> unreal, mate. It was it was so much fun. It really, 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 really was. And and you know, and and you mentioned Blur, and this is a low. And I mean, I think probably the band I've seen the most live as well, and always close with that record as well. Right, it's a beautiful yeah. record. That, yeah, yeah, it's little lightning in a bottle chords. Yeah. Okay, right. This is when you get to play tastemaker and uh, and turn someone onto something new. Uh, a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear, please. I went with uh, Je Monte by Louis Jean Cormier, which um, I heard on. Um, FIP radio, which I don't know if you ever listened to, but it's amazing. If you are, um, it's a it's it's a Parisian radio station, and they just play the most bonkers. It is all over the place, and it's just it's like it's a really nice. Sometimes you know, if I'm working on something here, and then everything is going to be reminding me of that. It's just a really nice thing to put on, which is like, I'm not going to hear anything yeah. that even rem- like, it's not going to butt up. I'm not going to be listening to something. And think, oh, I should do, I should yeah. do something like that. Or, oh, the, um, it's just like pure craziness. And, uh, this was a song I heard on, um, on that, on that radio station. And so I, I, I recommend FI- listening to FIP in general and that song, uh, in particular. Wonderful. Well, we put together a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast, uh, David, so people can go and listen to, to that track and every other record that we've spoken about. And obviously we put some of your music on there um, as well. As 2022 is starting to unfold and, and looking to be a, a much more connected and positive place than maybe the two previous years started, um, what are you looking forward to um, from the rest of this year and what's going to be happening professionally, mate? Um, I, um, uh, I just signed a record deal 
I just signed my first record deal. Amazing. So signed, Congratulations. I, thank you very much. I just signed to Network Records, um, which um, – so I'm very much looking forward to um, getting stuck in to that and, and releasing uh, more music um, and fig, and and finding out what that's like. You know, I've been yeah. trying to get a record deal for 27 years. Yeah. Is it 20? Yeah. So it's uh, – so that's going to be fun. So I'm very, yeah, very much looking forward to that. I've got um, um, a bunch of stuff that's already recorded that I'm that I can't wait to get out, and um, and I've sort of been reinvigorated as well by um, the signing. So I'm, I'm writing a bunch of stuff at the moment. So Incredible. yeah, that's that's what's that's what's up. And if people want to find out about releases and everything that you're up to, where's the best place to keep up to speed with you? Um, Instagram and Twitter, the, you know, the places. Wonderful. Well, if it's cool with you, we'll, we'll tag you in it when this comes out. So uh, make it a little bit easier for anyone to find you. Um, Perfect. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure talking records with you. Thank you Thanks so much, much for your time. Me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Cheers, man. There you go. David Thomas of Essex, of Wickford, Essex, not Nashville. Well, lives in Nashville. Absolutely surreal. Uh, Played his first gigs where I played my first gigs, you know, frequented my club. Uh, bananas. You know, just, just you know, uh, the, the weirdness that the guy that kind of, I, I guess, exposed his music to, to so many more people, Mr. Vicky Gervais, managed my band and exposed my band to many more people way, 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 way back, of course. But, yeah, it's weird, these little parallels that, that and none more surprising than today's. Uh, <laughs> absolutely bananas. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening. Um, thanks to, uh, to David again for giving up his time. Uh, thanks to you lot for uh, taking time to listen. And as ever, um, much love for supporting this podcast. Uh, if you want to support it any more, there's a Patreon. You can go and uh, explore that and get access to radio shows, video episodes and yeah, hundreds of shows over there that you can just access for 99p. Uh, no, it's not even that. It's 90, is it a dollar a month? Whatever that is, 79p, something like that, a month. Uh, what can you get for 79p this, in this day and age? Not a lot. A chocolate bar, maybe? No. I'll tell you what you can get. Access to hundreds of shows and loads more content while supporting this little podcast. You can find out about everything you need to know at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. I'll see you next time. Be lovely to each other. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. You've made Stu Whipping. Eat a